0: Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to share your word. I pray that you would create a hunger in all of our hearts for your Holy Spirit, that we might be effective witnesses for Jesus. I pray in his name. Amen. You can be seated. Uh, Like many of you, I'm sure I've been um, paying attention to the commentary that's out there, in the wake of these terrible shootings that have happened over the last couple of weeks and listening to the different voices and the different debates and suggestions over what to do one columnist in particular struck me a local columnist here in the local paper she was talking about you know the school shooting in in Texas by an 18 year old boy and then the shooting in New York racist motivated shooting by another. I think he was also 18 years old. And uh, one line struck me. She said, Our society is sick. When you have 18-year-old boys doing this, there's a sickness. What brings the healing is the question. That everybody's debating. And I think we could probably talk about other things. We could list other symptoms of the sickness that we see around us in society. But it's, it's not just the sickness in society. There's a sickness in the human heart that the Bible talks about. And that is sin. That is selfishness. And the healing ultimately is going to come from the gospel of Jesus Christ. What if those young men believed and knew the gospel? What if those men, those young boys, knew the God of the Bible? What if they believed what God says, Thou shalt not murder? That there's a transcendent law and there's a transcendent law. What if those boys knew in their heart and in their mind the love and power of God revealed at the cross of Jesus Christ and His resurrection. They would not have done what they did. The gospel heals the sickness of the heart. And and I think it's, as we look at the world around us today, it's evident that our culture, our Country, our city, our neighborhood, our friends, our family, our co workers need the gospel. We need this healing. We need it ourselves in our lives. And in order to get the gospel out, something's got to get in to us. Someone. And that is the Holy Spirit. Jesus had a mission for his disciples after he ascended to heaven. And that was that they would be his witnesses, he says, in Jerusalem, starting in Jerusalem. And then that would spread out to all of Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. But he said to his disciples, just before he ascended, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Here is what you're going to need in order to, to be my witnesses, to get the gospel out. Acts 1 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And they said, You need to wait. In Jerusalem, and stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you and fills you so that you will have this power. Uh, The the Greek word there for power is dunamis. We get our word dynamite from from this word. And it means, according to my dictionary, my lexicon, um, dunamis means the ability to function effectively. And and so they needed this ability to function effectively in a time when sharing the gospel could get them killed, and did get some of them killed. We think we have it hard today. They had to be willing to be ridiculed, tortured, imprisoned, and killed to proclaim the gospel. And so they needed this power. They needed this this boldness. They needed... Something beyond themselves to be able to function effectively in the mission that Christ gave them. And that was the Holy Spirit. And today we need this power of the Holy Spirit to share the gospel effectively. And the Holy Spirit came just as Christ promised. On the day of Pentecost, which was a harvest festival, Jewish pilgrims from all over would come into Jerusalem to celebrate The festival of the harvest. And now God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is bringing about a harvest of souls. As he pours out his Spirit upon the disciples. And Luke describes the power of the Holy Spirit at work in in these visible signs that we read about. Acts chapter 2, verse 2. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Maybe a sound like a tornado. A mighty rushing wind filled the entire house where they were sitting. And then divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. This wasn't just for one person. It wasn't just for a few prominent leaders. The Holy Spirit was poured upon poured out upon each of these disciples. This was the visible sign of the coming of the Holy Spirit, the wind and the fire. Um, And and these sorts of things, this was not repeated anywhere else in the book of Acts. So I don't think we should expect wind and fire to fall upon us. Although that would be pretty neat. (laughs) That would get attention. But what's more important than the outward phenomenon, the outward sign, is the inward work that God was doing. He was filling them with the Holy Spirit. There was an interior work that was happening. They were receiving this dunamis, this power that would make them effective witnesses. And and as a result of this, God did a creative miracle with these disciples on the day of Pentecost. He did something that only he can do. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, or other languages. Again, this was a Jewish festival. There were Jews from all over the Roman Empire gathered there, and so the Purpose and the, the, the primary purpose that we see in the book of Acts for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is to get the gospel out. And how is God going to get the attention and how are the apostles going to communicate to these people who have been gathered here in a way that strikes them? He's going to enable, and he did enable, the apostles to speak in the vernacular of the people who were gathered there. The mighty works of God. That's what they said. How We're hearing in our own language, in our own dialect, in our own tongue. These Galileans proclaiming the mighty work of God. It was a creative miracle by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what the Holy Spirit is for. This is what the power of the Holy Spirit is for. It is to share the gospel effectively. And on the day of Pentecost, it says, after Peter preached a sermon, there were added to that day about 3,000 souls to the church, Acts 2.41. Those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Friends, this is what we need today. A fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. A fresh empowerment of the Holy Spirit. uh, The creative work of the Holy Spirit that gives us the ability and the energy and the creativity to reach people in our generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're at a time when those who profess faith in Christ are, those numbers are declining. There was a study done by the, recently by the Pew Research Organi- Organization that found that there's a drop in Americans who identify as Christians, a 15% drop since 2007. It was 78% of the American population in 2007 identified as Christian. Now it's down to 63%, and it's on that kind of downward trajectory. Among young people, the fastest growing religious affiliation are the nuns, the N-O-N-E-S-S, people who claim no religious affiliation at all. That's the fastest growing affiliation for young people today. There are all sorts of barriers in the culture, and because of the failures of the church, to getting the gospel out to people who need it. And so we need what the apostles experienced. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We need the creativity, the energy, the dunamis of the Spirit of God. And so how do we access the power of the Holy Spirit? How can we be filled afresh by the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, what were the disciples doing before the day of Pentecost? Before the Holy Spirit came upon them, Jesus had told them to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father, and then they would be His witnesses. How did they wait? Um, It was a kind of active waiting. So it's not the kind of waiting that you're sitting in traffic and you're not doing anything and you're growing in frustration. You're waiting for, you know, the... The traffic to clear. That's not the kind of waiting that was happening here. Jesus said you are to wait in Jerusalem. But what did that waiting look like? It looked like prayer. It looked like prayer. They were praying. Look at what it says in verse 14. Acts 1.14. They were all gathered in the upper room in one accord. And... They were devoting themselves to prayer. The disciples, the women, some of Jesus' own family. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there, and his brothers. They devoted themselves to prayer. Some translation says they continually gave themselves to prayer. And depending on how you count it, by the time of Jesus' ascension... To the day of Pentecost, they were praying for nine or ten days. What's the longest prayer time you've had? <laughs> What's the longest prayer meeting you've been involved in? Nine to ten days? After a couple of hours, I would have probably been tempted, such as the weakness of my faith, to say, let's take a break. Maybe come back next week and see if God's going to fulfill His promise. But they were so desperate. They knew the odds were stacked against them. They had experienced the risen Christ. They had been with Him for three years. He had given them this mission. They knew the need. And out of desperation, they stayed and they prayed. They gave themselves to prayer. Brothers and sisters, prayer is a prerequisite to experiencing the Holy Spirit to growing in the life of the Spirit. It's fundamental. A a, a prayerless church will be a a powerless church. A a prayerless Christian will not have the power that he or she needs to do what God has called him or her to do. There's a link all throughout, and especially in Luke, the Gospel and the book of Acts between prayer and prayer And the Spirit. It starts in Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, at Jesus' baptism. Luke points something out. I don't think any of the other Gospel writers point out. That before, as Jesus was being baptized, He was praying. And then the Holy Spirit came upon Him to anoint Him for His mission as the Messiah. And then there are just moments all throughout, pivotal moments in the Gospel of Luke of Jesus' life where he's praying. If Jesus needed to pray to be empowered by the Spirit of God, how much more do I need to pray? That we need to pray to be empowered by the Spirit of God. The disciples, the apostles were praying. They gave themselves to prayer. And again, you can kind of just trace this in Luke and Acts, that there's this link between the activity of the Holy Spirit and prayer. It's all through it. Luke doesn't give the church a how-to manual. Luke doesn't give the church a best practices manual. He gave them a story inspired by the Spirit. And he said, here's what God did in the early church. Here's how it was done. Learn from this story. There's a link between prayer and empowerment. And it's something that I need to grow in. And we need to grow in. And we need to have this sense of, 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 something of this sense of desperation as we look out on a broken world, on a needy world, on a spiritually lost world. As we look in around us, even in our own circles and see needy lost people it should drive us there should be something in us that says God we need to reach these people and we need your help we need your empowerment a link between power and prayer you know I've been having a problem with my iPhone um, and it's been for over a month this little part on my iPhone where is it I knew it was in one of these pockets This little port right here where the plug goes in, something's wrong with that port. It's driving me nuts. It's one of those things where I have to plug it in and play around with it to try to get the connection. I know I can take it to Apple and they'll get it fixed for me, but I don't want to, I haven't had time to mess with it. I've been putting it off. And so this thing has not been able to charge properly because of that bad connection. Now what I do have is a wireless pad. And I can put this thing, when I go to bed, I put it on that wireless pad. But that's very finicky and it has to be on there just so for the connection to work. And there's been many times that I've gotten up in the morning and this thing is half charged because the connection wasn't just right. You know, And then I didn't get the most recent updates until just a couple of days ago because the connection wasn't right. you got to have this thing connected to power to get the new updates from Apple. Kind of an analogy here. How do we connect to our power source as Christians? It's through prayer. And the power source is the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a problem with that analogy. And that that implies that the Holy Spirit is a force and not a person. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. And Jesus, in our Gospel reading, talks about sending the Comforter, the Counselor, the Paracletos, the One who comes alongside, the Helper, ESV has it. I will ask the Father and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever. He will be the one who comes alongside of you. I'm not going to leave you on your own, Jesus is saying to His disciples, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You see this personal language? For you know Him, for He dwells with you, and He will be in you. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a He. The Holy Spirit is a divine person. We can grieve, Paul says, the Holy Spirit. We can distance ourselves from the Holy Spirit. We can ignore the Holy Spirit. All Christians are filled with the Holy Spirit. All Christians are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Peter said on the day of Pentecost that if you repent of your sins and are baptized, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. All Christians have the Holy Spirit. But we can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can start acting as if we don't need the Holy Spirit and go on trying to live the Christian life, trying to do what God has called us to do, apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, and stop praying and seeking the filling of the Holy Spirit. If you look in the book of Acts, and you can just do this on your own, if you're interested in this, delving a little deeper, just go through the book of Acts and circle or highlight, if you're comfortable with this, marking up your Bible, all the times it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. It didn't happen just on the day of Pentecost. It wasn't just a one-time thing. It happened over and over and over again. And when it happened, the apostles were empowered to proclaim the word of God. That's what it's for. And that's what we need. As Christians, we have the Holy Spirit, but we need to be filled afresh from time to time, empowered. We, we, need to, we have the, another analogy. We have the flame of the Holy Spirit, but sometimes we need to fan that flame. And how do we do it? They were devoted themselves, they devoted themselves to prayer. And so, brothers and sisters, on this Pentecost Sunday, will you pray to God for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit on His church? Some of you have experienced dramatic seasons in American history and in church history of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Or God did something in a generation that no one expected in the 60s and the 70s. There was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And many people came into the church. That was the generation of the hippies, the druggies, the dropouts. How's God going to reach them? How's the church going to reach them? The, The church didn't know what to do. But God knew what to do. There was a move of the Holy Spirit in the 60s and 70s here in the United States. God can do that again. And so, will you pray for that? Will you pray for that? Will you pray that God would fill you afresh with His Holy Spirit? For your family to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, you know, there are some reasons why Christians have been a bit squeamish sometimes when it comes to this talk of the Holy Spirit and being filled by the Holy Spirit. Because If you've been around it for any length of time, you know that people can go off the deep end (laughs) and they can start seeking the Holy Spirit for experience, for experience's sake. The Holy Spirit comes to bear witness to Jesus, not to be the center of attention. Um, And so, there's a real concern that talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit will lead to imbalance. It will get us... Off focus. That doesn't have to happen. Our focus needs to remain on Christ and the gospel. And as Anglicans, we have a structure that helps us maintain this balance. I was reading um, an Anglican priest and scholar named Winfield Bivens this week. He wrote about the ministry of the Holy Spirit within the Anglican tradition. He compared the Holy Spirit to a fire and the Anglican tradition to a fireplace. A fire is destructive outside of a fireplace, but inside a fireplace, it it brings warmth, it brings great benefit. And Winfield Bevan said, the Anglican tradition is like a fireplace that provides a structure for a lively faith that allows us to be open to the person and work of the Holy Spirit. There's a structure, there's a form to our expression of Christianity that can contain and shape the fire. So at our best as Anglicans, we will test things by Scripture. We will compare and test and discern based on the Bible, which is our ultimate authority. We will test things against Scripture and tradition and our God-given reason. Anglicanism teaches that God's Spirit is present each and every time we gather for worship. We have a gospel-shaped pattern of worship in the prayer book. By His Spirit, God meets us week after week after week through the preaching of His Word and at the Lord's table, the Word and the sacrament. So, we don't have to experience extraordinary emotions or strange signs and wonders to know that we've met God. God has promised to meet us by His Spirit, through the Word and through His sacraments. That is part of our tradition. We serve, the clergy serve under a godly bishop. So if I go off the deep end, you can pick up the phone and call Bishop Ken and say, Ben has gone off the reservation. Something's going on with this guy. He needs to be brought to heal. We have these structures in our tradition to provide a fireplace for the fire. But we need the fire. A fireplace without a fire is cold. We need the work of the Holy Spirit to empower us to do what God has called us to do. I'm going to share one last thing with you and then I'll close here. For some, what I'm saying is old news. For others, it's maybe new and strange. But as you... Look at Christian history, starting with the book of Acts, going through the early church, going into the Middle Ages and the experience of the mystics, looking at times of revival in England and in the United States and here in America. You can see times when God, by His Spirit, touched people in such a way that it changed their life And their whole trajectory. And they gave themselves to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because of that experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to share with you one of those testimonies. This comes from D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was the precursor to Billy Graham. He was the first Billy Graham here in America, really. And in fact, Billy Graham acknowledged that. And um, it's estimated that D.L. Moody spoke to 100 million men and women. And when he died, the Chicago Tribune, he was from Chicago, the Chicago Tribune said, No man since John Wesley has done more good for humanity than D.L. Moody. No Man has been a power for good since John Wesley. High praise from the Chicago Tribune. But what was it about D.L. Moody that made him so energetic to preach the gospel around the world? He talks about it in one of his writings. He said... I began to cry as never before for a greater blessing from God. The hunger increased. Now, he had been a Christian. He had not only been a a Christian, he had been a Christian minister and he had been in charge of a mission for some time and he was seeing people come to Christ, but he wanted more. And so he was hungry for more of the Spirit. I kept on crying all the time that God would fill me with His Spirit. Well, one day in the city of New York, I cannot describe it. I seldom refer to it. It is almost too sacred an experience to name. The Apostle Paul had an encounter of which he spoke, never spoke for 14 years. I can only say God revealed himself to me. I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stop. The Holy Spirit is a person, a divine person, who can interact with people and pour out His power and love into their lives. That is what it means to be filled. I mean, there are degrees of this, but that's what it means to be filled to overflowing. And that's how D.L. Moody became such a great evangelist for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need God to do something like that today. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would give each of us a hunger for more of you and for your spirit. We pray, God, that you would pour out your spirit upon our church, our little church in our little corner of the kingdom, right here in Chesterfield, Missouri. But also pour out your spirit afresh on the church in the United States of America. And raise up men and women and boys and girls who will have a hunger like D.L. Moody had and fill them afresh with your spirit. I pray. Lord, make us bold witnesses for you out of love for you and love for our neighbor. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.